Hey guys, this week on the Speed Life Podcast, we have Dr. Jonathan Woodyard. He is currently the Vice President of Student Life here at Southwest Baptist University. But through his years of pastoring and through the interactions he gets here with our students, uh, especially students who are heading into ministry, he's got some great insights onto challenges that pastors face. Welcome back to the Speak Life Podcast. Welcome back to the Speak Life Podcast, everybody. This week we've got uh, Dr. Jonathan Woodyard with us, who has uh, pastored in, before, and now he's here as our, uh, your actual title is Vice President of Student Life. Is that on point? Yeah, Vice President of Student Life. That's correct. All right, so uh, Vice President of Student Life is uh, sounds great for here at SBU, but for our pastors listening, they might be thinking, I'm not sure how that applies. So why don't you talk a little bit about yourself, family history, and your, and your history yeah. in ministry? Yeah, so my my full all the titles right. So vice president mm-hmm. of student life, but also assistant professor of historical theology. So I do have a background in in right. theological studies. Uh, I was a pastor for 15, 16 years or so before I went back into higher ed. So I'd actually pastored in Kentucky, pastored in Illinois for a little bit, Indiana for a little bit, and then uh, left pastoral ministry, went back to seminary in Minneapolis right. before planting a church uh, in Minneapolis in two thousand. 16 or so. Uh, and so uh, a lot of pastoral background. I uh, went on to, I did an MDiv, THM, PhD, all in, in theology. Uh, and so that's, that's my background, uh, hopefully. So that maybe that's a little bit relevant for pastors yeah. as, we're, as we're talking about things, but then transitioned back into the academy. First, uh, I went uh, into admissions. So worked at uh, Bethlehem College and Seminary in Minneapolis, oversaw enrollment there and was also a professor there. Uh, and then moved here and went from kind of the admissions side, which in, in higher ed, admissions is kind of, uh, to put it in categories pastors may appreciate, is evangelistic. I want to yeah. tell you yeah. why you should come to, I want to win you to our school. Uh, and then now I'm on the student life side, which is more uh, discipleship oriented. I'm trying to take who we have here and create certain types of persons or shape certain types of persons. So I went from pastoral ministry uh, back into higher ed, was at Bethlehem, now I'm here at SBU. Yeah, which sounds a little bit, your current position here at SBU is kind of a sweet spot between higher ed and ministry because, like you said, you have the chance to disciple students where they are and and just kind of help them to grow into the men and women that we're all hoping they'll be as they leave here at SBU. It certainly feels that way. I mean, it's one of the reasons uh, we felt a draw uh, to this position, when I say we, my wife and myself, it's opportunities for us to invest in students, to disciple, to point to Jesus, to help them grow in their faith. For those who aren't yet Christians, uh, maybe share the gospel uh, and see them become Christians. And then those who are here who profess to be Christians, we want to see them grow up in Christian maturity. So an opportunity for us to, to lean back into that sort of ministry was really exciting for yeah, us. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, with that being said, and kind of reflecting back on uh, the pastor hat when you were having the chance to pastor there for quite a while, uh, and really, as you see our students heading out uh, often into the pastorate or as you've interacted with other pastors, what the, the big question that we usually ask is, what are the top two or three challenges that you see that pastors tend to face today? Yeah, we were talking about this earlier, and uh, when I was thinking about this question, uh, it, it just so, it feels like a moving target, because yeah. one day 
you're dealing with an issue and this feels like the biggest challenge that I'll ever face in ministry. Uh, and then that kind of subsides and the next day something else hits and it's like, oh no, this is the biggest challenge. This is the greatest challenge. And so it's kind of a moving target. Uh, and so there was just a lot of challenges in ministry and some days some feel bigger than the others. Uh, but when I sat back and thought about it, two real categories for me kind of emerged uh, relationships. So that's people yeah. uh, relationships, yeah. right? That's a huge challenge, ongoing challenge. It's not one you can get away from because ministry deals with people. Uh, and then the other for me, I, I, I phrase it uh, this way, uh, theological patience. And so I explain what I mean by that in just a moment. So we just you take that relationship piece first. Uh, the reality is people are difficult. Uh, you yourself are difficult because you're a person and we're all tainted by sin, right? right? So we all know that Genesis 3 happens, sin enters the world. And so people think things they shouldn't think. They feel things they should not feel. Uh, they say things they should not say, uh, and they do things they should not do, right? So sin yeah. just kind of shoots through our whole being, including ourselves, uh, even pastors, still have the residual effects of sin. So uh, the power of sin may be broken, the presence of sin remains, right? So uh, when you're dealing with people, you're dealing with sinful people, you yourself are a sinful person. And so that's just a recipe for, for tension, for conflict. Uh, and there's a temptation for me. One of the things I dealt with in terms of relationships was just a, a desire every now and then uh, to please everybody, uh, to, to try to be everybody's best friend, that I, I, I wanted everybody to be happy, to enjoy church, to enjoy the sermons, to enjoy the direction. Uh, and uh, that just wasn't always the case. And so that often created uh, anxiety in my own heart that it, uh, created uh, anxiety in my family. If I knew people were upset about something, I had trouble focusing on my kids or my wife. Yeah. And so that just became kind of a problem. Uh, it's also hard when you think about people because people are so complex and people are different. Everybody's unique. Everybody has their kind of uh, idiosyncrasies or uh, they communicate differently. The way you talk to men is maybe not the way you talk to women. Uh, the way you talk to certain men is maybe not the way you talk to other men. Now, I have friends in my life that where I can say exactly what I'm thinking to them. We can say shoot straight, so to speak. Yep. Uh, there are other people in my life, uh, whether it's men or women, it's like maybe that's not the best approach. So relationships are hard because people are sinful. Relationships are hard because people are diverse. They're unique. They're different. Uh, and then uh, relationships are hard, particularly as pastoral ministry. You, you're trying to set direction, cast vision. You want to lead the church somewhere, and not everybody agrees with where you're going. Uh, and so that creates tension. So relationships for me were always um, were always hard. Uh, and I, I think that's going to probably be the case until Jesus comes back and uh, we're, yeah. we're all glorified and renewed. But relationships were 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 difficult uh, things to deal with. Yeah. And so it really speaks back into the need for the good development of, if you, for lack of a better term, soft skills. It reminds me of, you know, when you see uh, historically pastors who have struggled in churches, it's usually not about theological issues. It's usually about people issues and being able to connect well with other folks. And so yeah. to be intentional about developing some of those relational skills uh, and to be intentional about developing those relationships in your church with your folks uh, is huge. It's paramount. No. 
Well, there's a phrase that a friend of mine used years ago, and I use it now uh, when it comes to relationships. You, you want to build relationships that are strong enough to bear the burden of truth, right? And so uh, we need to speak truth to people. That's that's absolutely 100% correct. Uh, sometimes people need rebuked, exhorted, right, pointed in the right direction, corrected. Um, but one of the things we have to, to do is build relationships that can bear that burden. Uh, other people will use kind of the imagery of a bank account, right? You need to, yep. you may you need to make deposit, relational deposits so you can make relational withdrawals, yep. right? So th those are just getting to the same idea that you have to build relationships with people uh, so that they know you care about them, uh, that you love them, you want what's best for them. And so when you come alongside of them and maybe have to have a hard conversation or, uh, you're, you're trying to, to let them know where you want to go, that they, they trust you, they know you're for them, not against them, uh, and uh, that, that helps navigate some of those relational yeah. uh, relationships. Absolutely, and, and the one thing that really comes to mind that screams out of that is those relationships, it's, uh, you know, I use the phrase, the word intention as I was describing it, hmm. they take time. It, those aren't the kinds yeah. of relationships that just form most of the time just like that. It's the kind of relationship that takes investment. Now, like you said, and it, it, there are times that you connect with someone and you can tell pretty quickly, you just connect, you can start joking around pretty quickly and the time is shorter, but it, it still takes time even in those to get to a place where it can, I like that phrase, a relationship that can bear the burden of truth. Yeah. Yeah. It, Th those are important. Sorry. No, you're good. Off. So they, they do take time, uh, but I also want to just, I know we're talking to pastors. I also want to kind of nuance it and say, you can't be everybody's best friend and you can't invest in everybody yeah. to the same degree. If you, if you've got a church of 400 people, you're not going to be able to give or 150 people. You're not going to be able to give the same amount of time to everybody in the church all the time. You're not going to be everybody's best friend. And so you shouldn't wait until, well, I can't say anything true to this person because I haven't had a chance to have a cup of coffee with them. I haven't had a, a chance to, to, to have them into my house for, uh, for a cookout, yeah. right? We still have to pastor people and shepherd people, um, but we just want to be as intentional as we can to always be cultivating uh, relationships that can bear those those. Yeah. Well, and it also occurs to me, even in those situations, when you do have that larger church, I, I completely agree. Pastor still needs to be able to shepherd all of his folks, but you also should have, typically when you get to a church that size, right, you're talking about a multi-staff church. And so being able to okay. connect with, invest with, invest yeah. in the other pastoral staff who can make some more of those connections, who are investing in volunteers. And so really we're talking about not just developing relationships that can bear the burden of truth, but developing a culture in the church of mm -hmm. developing relationships that can bear the burden of truth, uh, that, that allow it to get to a place where, you know, the pastor can speak into those situations if they haven't had him over for dinner, because there are other people who have made those investments kind of on his behalf, uh, hierarchically. Right. And it, and again, that I think takes even more time and, and even more intention, especially to build that kind of church. Yeah, that's good. So that was one. Uh, we're talking about relationships and just the, the challenges that go along with that. What you, you mentioned that you thought you had another challenge that kind of came to mind. Yeah, I did. Uh, and I called it, I made this up, but you can do that, yeah. right? Uh, you can make phrases, theological patience. And, and 
And what I meant by that is, is you're, you're leading a, a, a people, you're leading a church, you're, you're pastoring a people, you're setting direction. A lot of times what you're doing is you're leading theologically. You're mm-hmm. leading, here, here's what I believe the Bible says about an issue. This is where I think we need to go because of how I understand the Bible. Uh, and sometimes people just don't see where you're getting. They, they don't understand this yeah. theological principle yet. They don't understand where you're getting this from the Bible. Uh, so maybe just to throw out an example, uh, baptism. Like mm-hmm. we believe that you need to be baptized uh, by uh, by immersion as a believer, yep. right? So I, I believe that. I'm a Baptist. Yep. Not everybody yep. believes that. Uh, I don't put it in the first tier where you're either a Christian or not a Christian if you agree with me, right? But it is an important issue. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so you, we believe in believers' baptism by immersion. That's what I believe as a Baptist. And so maybe you're planting a church or you're leading a people and you're trying to help them to see that, hey, you have to be baptized in order to be a member of this church. Mm-hmm. And that's a debated issue right and so you've studied the bible you've read the passages you've read the books you've read the articles and you just you see this Uh, and this is a conviction for you and you're trying to bring your church along and so this again is just an example and they just don't see it yet and you and the temptation is to get really frustrated and try to move really quickly or it's an issue like complementarianism you believe uh, that uh, that men are uh, uh, called to, well, qualified men are called to be elders or pastors in a local church, uh, and, uh, and that that's reserved for biblically qualified men. But your church maybe hasn't been there historically, or they, this is new to them. You see it. You've read the Bible. You've read the passages. You've read the arguments, and they're just not there yet. And so you get really you, your temptation is to get really frustrated. Why don't they see this? Yeah. This is so clear, right? And so you become impatient. And you you have to remember Paul's words to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, right? Mm-hmm. You, you do mm-hmm. teach, you do exhort, you do all of these things with great patience and yeah. teaching. So one of the frustrations for me, uh, having um, gone to seminary, well, I went to Bible college, then I went to seminary, then I did a THM, then I did a PhD. And it's like, hey, I've read these things, see these things. This is so clear to me. Yep. Let's run this direction. And you forget to take your time, bring your people along, help them see these things, and don't get frustrated when it's not immediately clear day one that you've got to do this long, you're in this for the long haul, and you've got to give yourself to this great patience and teaching that Paul talks about to bring people along. So that was a challenge for me, and maybe that's a personal challenge. Um, No. Probably not. Uh, unique to me, I would imagine. No, I can remember one of the first times I dealt with a challenge uh, like that. Uh, I was very early in my ministry career. I was serving as an associate pastor at a little church down in Texas, and uh, they were a King James only kind of church. And I'm not a King James only kind of guy. Uh, for, for many of the reasons you just mentioned, thinking through the education I've gotten, uh, all the reasons that I can come up with why you know, King James English is 400-year-old English and we're already on you know, four or five editions yeah. later, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's not only that they weren't catching up to my view, which I thought was a pretty well-informed, educated view. It was that they were deeply entrenched in that view, as many who are King James only folks are. Uh, And again, kind of like you were talking about with baptism and things, this is not a, if you don't believe the way I believe, you you can't be saved kind of issue, right? Um, But it starts to get at the heart of, you know, I'm trying to reach out and evangelize children or youth and uh, they're not hearing behold in their everyday language. And so how do I deal with some of that? And 
the patience that you're talking about there, I completely resonate with. It also, I'm realizing the extent to which it ties into our first topic of building those relationships pretty intentionally. And that, even if you have that relationship in place, uh, that doesn't mean you automatically have the other things covered. You you still have to have that patience on your side of things as you're helping people to see what they ought to see. Yeah. Yeah. For, for me, it uh, often just uh, was a pride issue. Uh, Like, why don't you, your pastors could be tempted to think, Hey, why don't you trust me? Yep. Um, Do you know how much I've studied this? This is what I sit around and do every day. Uh, Do you know all the school that's in my background, you know, and really quickly, if you're not careful, the the kind of this pride, arrogance uh, kind of posture begins to emerge is like, hey, he's just telling us how it should be. He's mad that we don't see it or we don't trust him or we put in this trust category. And a lot of times it's not necessarily a trust category, but people just they want to see where it's at in the Bible. I remember we were talking about this baptism issue one Mm -hmm. time and. Uh, I won't get into the details of what it was about, but we were having a congregational meeting and uh, somebody blurted out in the con- in the congregation, which you shouldn't do. But uh, what she said was exactly right. She said, show me in the Bible. Where's it at in the Bible? Yep. And in that moment, I was like, well, that's exactly what I, the question I want you to. I wish, wish you hadn't just blurted out in the middle of a discussion, but that's the question we should be asking. Yeah. Where, where are these things going in the Bible? So I was really frustrated that people weren't weren't uh, coming along with me, but it just dawned on me in that moment, I hadn't taught. I hadn't shown them patiently over weeks, months, through teaching the yeah. Bible where yeah. I was getting my ideas. And so it just was kind of a humbling moment for me. And I just realized I needed more theological, biblical patience with my church. Yeah. So, the, okay, so those are both great points. The idea of needing theological patience and the, the idea of needing to be intentional about building relationships that can bear the burden of truth. So with yeah. that being said, as I'm kind of pay attention to where we are in time, we're about halfway through. And so what are the pieces of advice that you would give? What are the suggestions you would give uh, to pastors out there for cultivating these things? Yeah, the first one on terms of in terms of relationships, uh, I just go back to Genesis one, uh, yeah. and I want to remember who people are, mm-hmm. just who they are. Uh, before we get to Genesis three, you get to Genesis one, and you have these human beings created in the image of God. Uh, that no matter who I'm dealing with, no matter how ornery they are, yeah. you know, yeah. no matter how uh, how stressful they can be or mean they can be. Uh, just remembering who they are. They're created in God's image. Nothing else on this planet bears the image of God, but human beings do. And so that's that's a helpful reminder to me as I'm looking at a person or I'm dealing with an email from a person that this person is an image bearer. I'm re- I remember uh, John Calvin and his, uh, he's talking to uh, about how he deals with, with um, or how pastors should deal with with critics, with so-called enemies, mm-hmm. and he leads into Genesis one. Just always remember you're dealing with someone uh, who's created the image of God. Now, Calvin, if you know anything about him, right, he had plenty of critics. Yep. Uh, Calvin had plenty of controversies. He had plenty of people even today who don't like him, and he would just say, "Hey, remember the people on the other side of the conversation are those who are created in the image of God." So I think just pastors running back there as you're dealing with church members, remember creating the image of God and 
any issues you're having that are negative is a consequence of Genesis 3. This is sin, uh, and the gospel has an answer. So I think that's one place to go. I think another place uh, for me was to think less highly of myself, Yeah. right? So, uh, you know, Ephesians 2 uh, talks about, you know, we were dead in our in our trespasses and sins in which you too walked. Yep. Uh, you know, you used to walk in these same ways. Uh, and so I too am a sinner. So yes, I'm creating the image of God, but Genesis 3 is also true of me. Uh, and so reminding myself that that uh, I'm not all that I think I am. Yeah, you know? all that I'd like to think I am. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm certainly not all that I should be, and I'm not all that I will be when Jesus returns. Yeah. And so just having this kind of humility about your own identity. Yes, you're creating the image of God. They are creating the image of God. And both of you are tainted by sin. So I'm sure I have blind spots. So that that is something that that is super helpful. You know, the other, let me, if so I can just ahead. jump in real quick. So as you pointed to Ephesians, as we move forward in Ephesians, part of the argument that Paul's making as he begins talking about putting on the full armor of God is the idea that we're all fighting against uh, the mm. darkness that, that remember basically who the real enemy is, is we're fighting against darkness yeah. the uh, spirits of darkness, uh, the principalities, yeah. those kinds of things. And what I'm reminded of is yes, we're all struggling against sin, but all of us, including those people that we might consider enemies, as you put, they're fighting against yeah. that same darkness too. And so we're, we're really, when it comes to trying to head in the same direction and move toward uh, the truth of the gospel move toward Christ. And as we continue down the road to sanctification, those people who are frustrating us have been shaped by and struggled against the same evils, the same darkness that we're also struggling against and trying to fight through. Right. And so it, it, these should be things that remind us of the fullness of not only who we are, but who they are and can unite us as we move forward. Certainly for, for right. those of us in ministry, uh, as you were just talking about, it can be one of those things that helps to keep us in check, remembering what it is we're really dealing with. That's really good. So it was something that I tried to do on a regular basis is remind our people that we are spiritual, mm -hmm. that we believed in an unseen world. Uh, I mean, Christians, right, in the eyes of the world, we believe crazy things. Yeah. I mean, we believe that a man rose from the dead, ascended into the heavens. We can't see him, but he's going to come back on a horse. You know, <laughs> we believe crazy yeah. things as Christians. Yeah. Uh, and one of the things that we believe that there are principalities and powers and demons and devils, right? And so you can't see them, but the Bible tells us the devil yeah. is roaming around. Yeah. He has schemes and he's not looking to play with us, right? He, he's roaming around looking to devour. Yeah. And so as you're dealing with people, it's not just you and the other person. It's you as a sinner, that person as a sinner, and then throw in there and demons on every side that are at war with us. You know, Screwtape's Letters uh, uh, yeah. is a great Gary yeah. Lewis. There's schemes back there in the background that we're not privy to all the time. And so just keeping those things in mind um, and so is super helpful. And then, but the, but the thing to remember with these relationships is also the gospel, right? Remember that you're, that Jesus comes to his own. They did not receive him. So John 1 tells us, right, they stiff armed mm -hmm. Jesus uh, and yet he came to he came to save his enemies, right? He goes to the cross for those who wanted to murder him, which is stunning to me. You were I don't know if you were in chapel a couple of week, couple of weeks ago, and I preached Acts two, and I talked about there's grace and mercy and forgiveness even for those who murdered the Son of God. Yeah. 
Right. And so the worst enemies, those who created arguably the greatest sin in the world, which is mur the murder of Jesus, there was mercy and grace there for them at the cross. Yeah. So remembering the gospel. Literally at the cross, as he says, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's right. Yeah. So they got to keep the gospel in view when dealing with relationship, rela relational struggles. Yeah. What other, so we've talked about relational struggles on the, on the theological patient side of things. What yeah. would you suggest? What are the thoughts that come to mind? Yeah. So for me, it's read hard things. Um, <laughs> you know, remember, uh, remember uh, who you are and that you weren't, you didn't arrive, just, you know, become a believer and then know everything, yeah. right? You weren't converted. And then all of a sudden you had memorized the whole Bible and knew all the theological categories. So, uh, just kind of remembering your own journey is important, but then read hard things. Uh, pick up a Herman Bavink and read his four volume systematic and just figure it and see how hard it is to track. Yeah. It's like, oh, there are things I don't know. <laughs> there are things that, yeah. that are beyond yeah. me. You know, pick up, get a subscription to, I say this kind of and laugh, but I'm serious. Get a subscription to JETS, you know, the journal, even the, the mm -hmm. Evangelical Theological mm -hmm. Society's journal. And people write some things in there that I'm like, I'm not sure. I ever heard of this. I'm not sure what's going on. Yep. Uh, and what it does is just remind me how much I don't know. And so uh, remember your own journey. And then I would say, have make it a practice to read things that are beyond you. And one of the things it'll do is humble you. Yeah. Uh, and so those are, those are two things. And then I think also have, have somebody in your life where uh, they can remind you. They're not impressed by you, you know, have people in your life that, like, hey, man, I, I knew you when we were in college ministry together. I remember some of the stupid things you said. I remember some of the things you did. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah. can I just remind you of how dumb you were at some at some point <laughs> in your life? And I think that that's a real help uh, as yeah. well. Yeah. Spouses can be good for that from time to time, too. <laughs> uh, yeah. My wife is like, I remember some of the early sermons you preached. <laughs> Yep. Still yep. I'll never forget the time I'd been, I'd been serving as a church as a worship leader and uh, somebody came in and uh, they were looking at playing guitar and things during and somebody in the congregation piped up. I was like, well, I remember what you sounded like the first time you stepped up there with the guitar. <laughs> well, thanks. I think, uh, but yeah, I mean, you need people in your world who, who can say those kinds of things to you. But even that again, goes back to the idea of cultivating those relationships. Uh, yeah, that if yeah. you, especially in the church, in your church overall, if you have a culture of building mm -hmm. relationships that can bear the burden of truth, if you have a culture of spending time, and you do that again with time, you do that through not only times of intense discipleship, but intense fellowship, just being together, doing life together, uh, and, and being intentional about growing some of those uh, people skills to be able to invest in your folks and develop those kinds of relationships. I think that's a hundred percent on point. Uh, are there any particular, you know, you said read hard things and you mentioned a couple of books in there. Are there any uh, books, podcasts, whatever, anything that you're working on that you think would speak into this? It would be uh, worth checking out. Yeah. I don't know if there's anything that speaks into um, this per se. There are, there are things I'm working on. Um, uh, I'm not sure the things I'm working on uh, kind of, uh, uh, dovetail, dovetail into this. I, th okay. I think I'm working on a preaching book that I'm going to uh, hopefully turn in in December uh, and trying to just get help pastors think about the basics of what they're doing when they're preaching 
Uh, I think preaching uh, flows from the heart of a man who has seen great things in the Bible, mm -hmm. has loved what he has seen, and can't wait to tell his people what he saw. Uh, and so that's what you're doing. I think on Sunday morning at, at base, it's more than that, but it's it's uh, you're getting up to say, listen to what I saw in God's word. Isn't it yeah. amazing? Uh, and trying to apply it to their life. So I'm working on that right now. Also trying to publish my dissertation, which just got picked up. Uh, and so that, I think, um, was a real humbling experience for me as yeah. I was trying to write about yeah. the simple concept of faith. What is it? What mm -hmm. is the essence of faith and how the affections or emotions are involved? Uh, and that was a humbling experience because even this seemingly simple idea of belief uh, is more complex often than uh, we yeah. think. So uh, writing on that right now, um, and but that's... Uh, that's kind of what I'm working on personally. All right. And then I'm working on a whole lot of policy, HIPAA, FERPA, things like that. That, <laughs> that don't really, have, yeah, don't really speak to the, <laughs> yeah. but certainly a humbling experience. Yeah. All right. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Uh, everybody, thanks for tuning in and we will look forward to seeing you next week. Bye.